Good morning. How you doing? All right. That was sort of better. Okay. That was good. All right. Um, okay. So it's going to be a different kind of service. You guys, who's that? That, that handsome guy can't, is not Aaron. Uh, yeah. So my name is Edwin Cologne. For those of you who came in um, late and we know who you are, um, uh, I'm, uh, Pastor Aaron was super kind enough um, to ask me to come and share this weekend with you guys. And um, I just, I love your pastor. I, I just love what God has done in him and through him. I'm amazed. I was telling your pastor, and I was telling some of you, that I, I told my son that, like, you know, because my son is like an NYU student, and he's like going, like, NYU law and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, some of the girls go, oh, all right. Hey, maybe invite him over to Exilic once or twice. Yeah, yeah. And he's not a bad-looking dude. He's really super handsome, so just throwing it out there. And so... Uh, I told him, I said, you know, you probably should go to Exilic Church because you'll find your people. And what I meant is like, you know, we got crackheads and heroin addicts and all that other stuff. And my son is like real faithful and he comes and he's in the, he's in the accounting ministry and all that other stuff. But he, I was looking out at you guys and I was like, yeah, yeah, you don't look like our church. And it's like, you're, you're more his people than uh, we are. So I'm trying to convince him to come to Exilic. Um, so uh, yeah, so I'm here. I'm super grateful to be here. And we're talking about some we're talking about some sensitive issues. Yesterday we talked about how to take off the masks and how to move towards brokenness. That we weren't going to be in the house that promises freedom in prison. We weren't going to go to the place that says we are forgiven and set free and then hide behind I'm fine and everything's well. So we're going to lean into our weaknesses. We're going to lean into our brokenness. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness. The forgiveness that not only have we received in Christ, but the forgiveness that overflows in our hearts to give to others. But here's the problem with forgiveness. Forgiveness is a great idea until you actually have to do it. Forgiveness is a fantastic concept until it actually has to be exercised. So, um, and it's interesting because bitterness, rage, those things can lie up in our hearts for our parents, for our friends. Maybe you were betrayed. Perhaps someone did un the unthinkable to you. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like me, and there was an older person when you were very young who came into the room that you were in, locked and double-locked the door, and horrible things happened to you like they did to me. Maybe something like that happened to you. Maybe it's not that severe. Maybe you're like me. And I remember a conversation I had with my father. He left. He, he, uh, he left our home and, um, when we were kind of young. And then he found another family. They were in the Bronx. And, and I remember how old our clothes were. And my mom is, uh, I didn't tell you guys this part. My mom is, I don't know if you guys ever lived in a neighborhood where you had a crazy lady on the corner screaming at everybody. That was my mom. My mom uh, would be taken to uh, psych psychiatric wards uh, periodically as we grew up. So there would be periods like three months, six months, nine months, where it was just me and my brother and sister. 
and we didn't have any money to pay the rent or anything like that. It was a really, really terrible situation. And so I remember not having any sneakers, not having any clothes, not having anything, not food. And I remember visiting my father and sitting down with him and going, Pa, it, we, in Puerto Rican culture, you call your father Pa, Papi. Um, and I remember telling him, Pa, you know, you, you do so much for all these kids and they're not yours. And she had like five kids that he was taking care of. And I said, you know, we're hungry. <laughs> we're hungry. We don't want clothes. We want food. And I remember him sitting down and telling me, Edwin, I have a new family now. And I remember not knowing what to think about that at like 12 or 13. But I remember I th I've thought about it since and how, how devastating that was to my soul. So we're going to talk about forgiveness. And the forgiveness that we're going to talk about might be painful because forgiveness is often painful. But I want you to, I want you to open your heart to the potential. To open your heart to the potential that God might want to do through you what he's already done in you. So when you think about forgiveness and you talk about relationships, when you think about forgiveness and you talk about relationships, whenever somebody harms you, there's a new, um, there's a new relationship created. So I want you to think about like forgiveness or being offended. I want you to think about it like this. Is that, maybe that's better. I want you to think about it like this. You guys are the cooler bunch anyway. No, I'm kidding. I love you guys. I'll come back to you in a minute. And so, um, so I want you to think about it. I want you to think about when someone offends you as opening up an account. Like, you know how, like, if you open up a credit card account and, you know, you, uh, you, you purchase something and you call them up and they go, oh, Edwin Cologne, you owe, you know, $359.23 this month. Something like that, right? When someone harms you, what they're doing is that they're opening an account with you. They create another kind of relationship. And you, you will say things like, oh, no, no big deal. No worries. Whatever. Nah, it's not that serious. And you'll want to move on. But I'm telling you, no matter how big or how small the offense was, an account has been opened. And you've created a debtor, debti relationship. Whenever you offend somebody, you've created a debtor, debti relationship. When someone has offended you, they've created a debtor, debti. In fact, you don't even need the Bible for this. You, we have language in our culture that's instilled within the context of our culture that speaks to this. For instance, if someone harms you, if someone harms you, what, what do we say? We, we, if we're really, really angry and really, really bitter about it, what would we say? We say, I'll pay you back. Why? Because we instinctively, intuitively know you've, we've opened an account, a debtor debti relationship. Well, God knows that if as we grow older, and again, it could be with your brother and sister, and it could be small stuff, it could be with your mom and dad. It could be small or big stuff. It could be something so devastating. It could be with a boyfriend that you were sure you were going to live the rest of your life with. And then he did horrible things to you. 
could be with a girlfriend. It could be with a best friend. It could be with anything. But I'm telling you that there's an account that's opened up. And if you don't address it, it'll walk with you. God knows that you and I are going to struggle with forgiveness. And so he gives us, by the way, uh, he gives us this incredible book. It's called Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, if you ever wanted to counsel anybody about just about anything, just go to the, it's like the counseling book of the Bible. It's fantastic. You can counsel, uh, you can do marriage counseling, single counseling. You can do, uh, you know, how a Christian is supposed to behave at work or how to get over bitterness or, you know, to tell the truth. It's like, it's a, Ephesians is a great book. But God knows that you and I are going to struggle with this issue of forgiveness. He knows that some of us are going to be bent to just saying, nah, it's no big deal, whatever, just forget about it. And there's going to be others of us who are just going to be, I can't believe, and sort of wringing their hands. And he knows that about us. And so, so he gives us the scriptures, knowing that we're going to have to deal with this. Now, if you're here and you're going, oh man, I, I'm off the hook. I don't have to worry about this message. Nobody's really harmed me. You know, I have no real pain to speak of in terms of relational pain or systemic pain or anything like that. I'm good. Just remember what I'm about to tell you and put it on the shelf for later. You're going to need it sometime, especially if you decide to get married. Matter of fact, my definition of marriage is almost a series of forgiveness. Like if you're married, it's like a series of like, it's like, oh, what did you forgive your spouse today about? And it's like, you can, you could literally start a conversation like that when you're like, it's, it's crazy because it's everywhere, right? Like, you, you know, you just uh, in and unintentionally. So this is really for you. Now, if you listen to me, you know, what's at stake? If you, if you miss this talk, what's at stake is not only your relationships with the family members that you have now, your future relationships within your context of your marriage, your future relationships with your children. We're fighting for your happiness on this one. Because I'm telling you, have you ever seen, have you ever been around an older, bitter person? Have you? It's, it's tough to be around them. Nobody ever got that way overnight. Bitterness is something that you grow into. And if you're going to avoid bitterness, you're going to have to address forgiveness. And you're going to have to do it in brokenness and weakness. So um, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I'm going to do something that I almost never do. In fact, I think this is the only text that I do this with. We're going to skip because what happens is in Ephesians chapter 4, um, Paul just starts, he just starts like rapid fire. He's, he's like me in sermons. It's like, just starts rapid fire, just saying, hey, tell the truth and don't tell a lie and be good people. And it's like, you know, he's, he's already ex- explained to them their position in Christ. And so he just starts shooting stuff out. So we're just going to read, 20, excuse me, 26 and 27, and then we're going to jump down to verse uh, 31 and 32. That's all we're going to concern ourselves today. You can read the rest of the um, passage at another time, but all we're going to concern ourselves with today is with this passage. So briefly, <clears throat> it starts in verse 26. In your anger... 
do not sin. Now, something that you need to know is that Paul has given directives, but he's already given the theology behind this. He's already said, look at your position in Christ. Recognize what Christ has done. Don't let it just be a cognitive belief, but let it be a visceral belief. And let that visceral and cognitive belief that you have in Christ overflow into the actions and the habits and the thoughts of your day-to-day. And then so he goes, since you've already gotten... um, Uh, this great gift in Christ, since you've so been forgiven, since he resides in you, since he loves you with a love that will never end in your anger, do not sin. In fact, in another version, in the New American Standard, it says, be angry, yet don't sin, yet do not sin, right? And I was like, I remember reading that and going, finally, a command I can obey, (laughs) right? Be angry. And I was like, yes, I can do that. I can manage that. And so, so there is such a, an emotion called anger. And it's, I mean, there's all sorts of r- right reasons you should be angry. We should be angry when we see injustice and when we see society behaving in a way that's oppressive and evil. We should be angry when we see uh, food being thrown away on this side of the world while people starve to death on another side of the world. We should be angry when someone is uh, stopped by a police car just because of the color of their skin and the quality of their car. That should make us angry. Be angry. And then he, he, he tethers it to be angry, yet at the same time, do not sin. You know, God gets angry. He's angry at injustice. He's angry when his children are abused. He's saying over and over again, God speaks about his anger. The difference between God's anger and my anger most of the time is that I'm angry for selfish reasons. When I get angry, I'm angry because something didn't go my way. When God gets angry, it's because it's, it's out of his nature and out of his love for his people and out of his righteousness. He says, in your anger, do not sin. So just so you know, it's not about, uh, Christianity is different than other religions. Christianity doesn't call things the way, um, it doesn't say things that are untrue. It says, here's the truth. You, it's okay to be angry. Don't stuff it. The world will tell you to, you got to let it out. You got to explode. You got to uh, um you got to just explode in anger, beat a pillow, take a, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, like a Tybo class or something like that, right? Like, you know, get it, get it out, get it out of your, you know, get it out of your system. And if you're around religious circles, like the ones that we may have in exilic, but certainly the ones that we have in our church, then there's a temptation to like, no, 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 stuff down your anger. Don't address your anger. Oh, uh, why are you behaving this way? People are looking. Listen. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Don't let your anger lead you to sin. Don't let somebody else's sin lead you to sin. You go, how do I do that? Well, keep, keep coming. We'll, we'll talk about it as we go, uh, go along. It goes, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, I, I've, I've heard a lot of marriages tell me, you know, this is one of the keys to their marriage that they not a lot of marriages say that, but I've heard a few, um, that this is uh, one of the keys to their, a good marriage is 
they don't go to, they, they take that verse and they say, don't let the sun go down. That means don't go to sleep angry with each other. Whatever happens throughout the day, um, deal with it. But here's the problem. You guys are young, but maybe you're not so young that you don't know that there are some things that hurt you that take longer than 24 hours to get over. There are so, some wounds that are so deep that take a little bit longer than a, a sunrise and a sunset to address. I know what it's like to have really close friends, friends that you would call brother, betray you in ways that make you question people altogether. I know what it's like to be sexually abused and then question your sexuality for the rest of your life. I know what it's like to have a father scream at the top of his lungs, don't call me ever again. That happened a little less than a year ago. I know what it's like to be wounded in such a way that it takes longer. So when the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, is God being, is God being flippant? Is God being uh, like society? Just, 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 just get over it. Just get over it. Is that what God is doing? No, no, no. God is saying something so profound here that if we take it in, it'll change the way we deal with those who have hurt us. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I think what God is talking about is that when, you're, when you get wounded, when you get hurt, you have to start addressing that issue right away. Because if you don't address the issue right away, you have seasons of life that you step into. The seasons of life that you step into, listen, an old guy is speaking, so you, you need to hear what I'm about to say. I've gone through this myself, and I've seen it through countless people. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. It's really, really important. It's a, it's a true life principle from the scriptures, but your experience will bear this out as well. What happens is, is when you are hurt in this season and you don't address it in that season of life, you go to the next season of life thinking that you haven't carried that hurt with you. And what you've allowed to happen is that you move from one season of life to another season of life. You move from singleness, that's a season in life, to marriedness, that's a season of life, and you carry this rage only you don't know why you're angry because it was in another season. So here's how it works out. In this season of life, I've been wounded, I've been hurt, and then I just go, oh, forget it, or forget it. And I do that long enough that I enter into another season of life, but that hurt and that wound is still there. And then my wife says something, and it's real small. And my kids do something, and it's real small. It's offensive, but it's small. And then I blow up, and my wife will say something. Hey, 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 why are you overreacting? Hey, why? have you ever had this happen where someone goes up to you and says, hey, what, what? I, I, I know that you're upset, but I think you're, I think you're responding in a really over-the-top way. Let me give you a secret. Let me, I'm going to tell you the truth of life. The reason is, is because, listen to me, you let the sun go down on your anger. 
And now you don't know why you're angry anymore. The sun has gone down on your anger, and you don't associate the rage and the hurt and the woundedness that you feel in this season with what happened in the last season. So here, at 10 years old, I have this thing. At 10 years old, I was was younger than that, but I have this thing happen to me, uh, this sexual thing. And so what do I do? When I'm 15 years old, I'm, I'm clicking on things that I shouldn't click on. I'm watching things that I shouldn't watch. Then I, I, I take that abuse and that hatred and that lack of forgiveness and that bitterness, and I take it, what, what do you think that looks like in marriage? Anybody know? Horrible. Blaming my wife for not being fulfilled. Hurting my wife. Then I have daughters and because I've exposed myself to such filth and I've been sexually abused myself, I keep at a distance from my daughters because I'm afraid of what I might do. They say, if you've been sexually abused, you might sexually abuse someone else. So I keep at a distance. And my daughters, they desperately need me, but they're not getting me. Because I feel it's too vulnerable. I don't know what I might do. You see, I let the sun go down on my anger. I was hurt, and I didn't address it. And because of that, I hurt those around me. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I don't know if you've ever done this where you've walked into a room. I don't know if you've ever had a friend. Maybe this has happened to you. A friend walks in, and they're just furious and they're barking. Maybe it's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They're barking, and they're just so on edge. After a while, you ask them, why are you so angry? And they go, you made me angry. The boss made me angry. The kids made me angry. And at a certain point, you just kind of take a step back, and you go, no, 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 no. I think you were angry before you got here. I think you were angry before the kids came around. I think you were angry before the boss showed up. I think you let the sun go down on your anger. And now you don't know why you're so upset. And do not give the devil a foothold for everything that I just told you. Did you see how sexual abuse over here and not dealing with that and not asking God to not only heal, but lead me to forgive, how it could affect my relationship with my daughter. It can happen. I let a toehold, I let a foothold, I let a stronghold into my life. And I hurt. In Christ, I let Satan wound me again and wound those I love. jump down to verse 31 he says get rid of all bitterness we're going to move a little bit faster because i know you guys got it, your groups get rid of all bitterness rage anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice in other words when <laughs> when it's when the bible was saying when it was saying in your anger do not sin you oh i'm not angry he goes oh okay just in case you want to play the little game of like the little word game where you're like uh uh you're going to 
Oh, well, I'm not really, like, technically angry. I've, oh, yeah, I've forgiven them. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. He goes, yeah, yeah. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. And just in case you said, well, I'm not any of those. He goes, and every, along with every form of malice. You know, the reason why you won't go to that uh, family party is because they show off, and it's, uh, the, the other people show up. And you go, no, oh yeah, I've forgiven them, but I'm just not going to, it still dictates how you behave. Get rid of all of that. And you go, Paul, how could you say that to us? Don't you know how I've been wounded? And, and here's the part of the, right, you, I'm sure, especially if you're listening to this message and you're going, but you don't understand how I've been hurt. You don't understand how I've been wounded. And the fact is we don't. I know that if I know that if I passed this microphone to the person sitting in your seat, that you would have a story of pain and woe to tell. And that you would tell it and it would bring us to tears. And yet the Bible is, is clear. It says, give it up. You go, but I can't. Watch. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And this is how, beloved, this is how. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, I come. I come to my offender recognizing that no matter what offense has ever been done to me, it is nothing in comparison to what I've done to Christ. In fact, every sin that has ever been committed to me is only an illustration, a very small illustration, a very tiny illustration of how I have sinned against Christ. You think molestation is bad? My sin caused Christ to be physically abused and put up on a cross. My sin killed Christ. And so I go, wait, you mean what they did to me, I did to you worse? Oh my gosh. How did you respond to me? Here's, here's what he did. I paid the debt. Remember how we opened up? Remember what we said? That when you are offended or when you offend someone else, you open up a new kind of relationship, a debtor debty relationship? Someone's got to pay. Someone's got to pay. Now here's the thing. If my father one day, and this is never going to happen, if my father one day knocked on my door and said, Ed, I, I found Christ. I'm sorry. I wounded you. I hurt you. I abandoned you. I'm sorry. How can I make it up to you? At that point, I would do two things. One is I would go, wow, I actually never thought of that question. I've been too busy being angry. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is go, I don't think you can pay me back. What are you going to do? You, you can't give me 12 years old again. 
You can't give me the sex education that I had to get from the street. You can't go back, roll back the hands of time and give me that talk. You can't give me the security of a home that had at least one stable parent. You can't give me the finances that I needed in order to go to school and not be the guy who got made fun of by everybody because his clothes were three or four years old. You can't give me that back. You can't make it up. So here's the truth. When people have offended you and they've taken that from you, they can't give it back to you. They can't give you back that first marriage. They can't give you back that relationship. They can't give you the trust back. They can't give you, how can I make it up to you? Since they can't make it up to you, God says, hey, I have an idea. Why don't you go ahead and forgive like I've forgiven you? Since they can't make it up to you, I have an idea, God says. Why don't you go do for them what I've done in you and for you? God says, there's a debtor, daddy, first walk in how much you've been forgiven. Oh, but I don't lie to anybody, and she lied to me. Yeah? You ever told Jesus something that wasn't true? Maybe once or twice. Yeah, but they stole from me. Yeah, yeah you ever? <laughs> Have you ever taken for granted the things that God has given you? Of course you have. Anything that anybody has done to you has been only an illustration of how you have. And that's how we walk in weakness. When we recognize that those who sin against us are simply illustrating to us all that we've sinned against God. And then we get to ask God, God, Jesus, how, how has your response been? I paid the debt. So, Really fast, really fast, because you guys got to go into groups. Write this down, okay? Get a pen, pencil, or mascara, but you want to write this down, okay? This is really important. So how, how do I, right? We already said the basis by which you forgive is recognizing that everyone else who's ever sinned against you, husband, wife, brother, sister, mom, dad, friend, coworker, society, system, whatever anybody has done to you is just an illustration of what you've done to Christ. And when you recognize that, you receive the forgiveness and you let that forgiveness that Christ has given you overflow naturally. You don't force yourself to forgive someone. You overflow forgiveness because you recognize how much forgiveness you've needed. Does, is that clear? Is that, are we okay with that? Now, let me, let me see. Let me show you. So the first thing I want you to do, if, if you're going to walk in this, here's some practical steps. Here it is. You ready? Identify who you're angry with. In fact, I would tell you, and I know we're just doing this for the weekend and stuff like that, but I would actually tell you to take a notebook with you. You know those little marble notebooks, they sell them for like 50 cents or a dollar or whatever. Take a marble notebook with you and just write the name of people who have harmed you in your life. And don't, especially if you're married, beware of your immediate circumstances. Because you go, you know why I'm angry. I'm sitting next to him. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. No, no, no. Look beyond your immediate circumference. Look beyond your immediate circumference. Go, go back. Listen, go back a season or two. And for some of you, it's a season, right? <laughs> you know, because you're super young. I get it. I get it. But all right. I know I'm the oldest guy in the room. It's terrible. 
Um, first of all, identify who you're angry with. Be willing to go back a season or two. Second, settle on what they owe you. Settle on what they owe you. If you call Amex and say, hey, how much do I owe? They're never going to tell you, go, I don't know, how much you think it is? <laughs> they're going to give you down to the penny how much you owe. And they're going to say, like, you know, the, you know $356.48 at the sound of the beep. Beep. Like, it's going to be like that because it, the interest continues to grow. So the question is... Um, <laughs> It's terrible. Don't get, in, don't get me talking about financial debt. Don't get in debt. Okay, so debt is from the devil. All right, so, um, so that's another talk. But um, what do they owe you? I just told you what they owed. I told you what my father owed me. He owed me, he owed me my tweens. He owed me the wisdom of a father who had gone through it rather than a kid who was trying to make it up as he went along. He owed me wisdom. He owed me. Listen, I'm not even saying this is fair. Yo, he, you know, you should see what his father did to him. I get it. I understand that I've done some work. It's fine. I'm just telling you, when the account opens up in my heart, this is what he owes me. So don't try to be fair. Just, so you can take a marble notebook and just on every page, whenever you think of a name, just put an, a name down. Skip the page. Take it front and back. Skip the page. And then if another name comes up, Put that down too. Walk around for like a week or two, maybe even a month for some of you, if, especially if you've gone through some real hurt. And just who, what, who are you angry with? What do they owe you? And just write down, what do they owe you? And here's the third one. Because of what Christ has done, cancel the debt. Because what Christ has done, cancel the debt. In other words, because Christ has canceled your debt to him. And you and I are walking around as people who have been forgiven far more than anything that has ever been against us, any sin that's ever been against us. I suggest that you do this in the most creative way possible. Um, especially the more wounded you are, the more creative you should be. So I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I was... So... Um, God, I'm like, well, my wife calls me one of God's spoiled brats, right? And if you, if you know my story, you know that's true. Um, I'm one of God's spoiled brats. And so I got this uh, six months before one of my burnouts, and I've had like really five significant burnouts. Um, six, six months. God let my wife, have you ever heard of anybody winning? You know, like in the supermarket, they have the little sweepstakes things. And that, you know, you get a trip to Aruba for four people and da-da-da-da. Just sign it up. Have you ever heard of anybody winning that? Hey, here, raise your hand if you've ever heard of anybody winning those. Okay, the next time somebody asks you that question, all of you are going to be able to raise your hand because my wife won. My <laughs> wife won one of those. And it was, a, it was like a, a, an incredible thing to, uh, um, I don't know, some islands and stuff like that. But um, it was a cruise. Actually, Ah, I'm confusing two, I'm conflating two stories. She won that one. This one we got for free. Again, it's, uh, so it's two stories. One, we went to St. Lucia and we got that for free. And another, oh, by the way, did I tell you? My son is in NYU Law. He got a full three-year ride. Yeah, yeah, it's like a quarter of a million dollar gift. I'm telling you, I'm one of God's spoiled brats. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're, you're going to believe me, right? So, um, and so, um, so we're on the boat and the Lord is dealing with me. 
I thought, imagine this. I'm on a cruise. I can have pizza at 3 o'clock in the morning, and God wants to deal with me about my bitterness. I'm like, surely we could, we could do this some other time. <laughs> but the fact is, it was, it was killing me. And it was killing my marriage. It was killing my kids. It was killing my church. I was so angry at my church. So I'm there, and God starts giving me questions like this one to deal with. And so I'm writing. And... And I write about my dad, and you owe me, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. And then I'm reminded of the gospel and how Christ canceled my debt. He canceled it. He didn't require anything from me. I didn't have to grovel. I didn't require anything. Cancel the debt. He cancels the debt. And so on the pages that I had written, and nobody ever saw those pages but me. I wrote, debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. And then the Lord, as if that wasn't enough, the Lord led me to the back of the ship. And, you know, in the back of the ship, it was nighttime. And I'd never been to the back of a ship. I don't even know what it's called. My, and it's funny because my... Well, never mind. But um, so um, I'm in the back of the ship, and I have it in my hands, what they owe me. And, I, and God goes, throw it. Because he reminded me of the text that he threw my sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And he, because he had done that for me, and I was as guilty as sin, that he was going to do that through me. And that if I was ever going to uh, go back and hold back against it, just remember that just like my sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, if I could ever figure out where those papers are in the Atlantic Ocean, then I could dig up the resentment that I had with them because that's how I had been forgiven. But then something weird happened. I'm in the back of the boat and I can't stop crying. Not because this is such a beautiful moment, but because... I was angry with God. I was like, this is not right. They owe me. They're going to think that they got off the hook. They're going to think that it was okay for the kind of hurt to give me. And it's not okay. This is not fair. I was like, God, you just, come on, man. This is not right. They need to pay. And some more time. Where God was just going, yeah, tell me about that debt, Ed. Because Christ took my debt and he took it to the cross. And someone needed to pay and it wasn't going to be me. It was going to be him. And in that moment, I go, is this how you must have felt when you forgave me? It just, and I knew it wasn't even a down payment. I knew it wasn't even a one one hundredth of, a one one millionth of what he must have felt in forgiving me. So, I let it go. You don't owe me anymore because you've paid my debt. And I've been so overwhelmed by that. 
that now I'll pay yours. And it hung in the air forever. I thought I was going to get arrested for littering in the Atlantic Ocean. And I just, I just saw it. I was like, and then it disappeared into the night. You think the resentment has ever kicked up since then? Sure it has. It turns out forgiveness is not an event. Forgiveness is a way of life. And so when my dad yelled at me, remember what I told you when my dad don't ever call here again because he's crazy? When he did that and I hung up the phone, it just keeps on happening, God. It doesn't stop with this guy. Would you remind me of my sin? Would you remind me of the sea of forgetfulness? And so every day I get an opportunity, every day, to be reminded, because people hurt me every day. Every day I get hurt. Every day I get to be reminded of what God has forgiven me and then daily bestow that forgiveness upon them. Walking in weakness, walking in brokenness, means seeing other people's sins against you as an illustration of what Christ has done, um, as an illustration of what you've done against Christ. And forgiving others is an illustration to them of what Christ has done in you. Find in Christ the forgiveness that you desperately need. And then sit on that forgiveness and let that forgiveness stir you till you can't help but forgive those who have harmed you. And then daily practice forgiveness. It's the way of the week. Let me pray for you. Father, we're talking about stuff that's no joke. It's crazy to me. And so, Lord, would you, would you speak to my own heart? You know how easy it is for me to hold bitterness against those who have harmed me. You know how hard it is for me to hear this message and how hard it is for me to live this message. Would you do that in my own heart? And Lord, for those here who feel like they have no great wounds to forgive, I thank you for that. But I also pray, Lord, that you would help them to remember this message, remembering the gospel and overflowing the gospel to those who have wounded them. And for those here, Lord, they've been blaming their spouse for their own anger and own unfulfillment and, un and bitterness. They've been blaming their boss. They've been blaming their friend. They've been blaming their circumstance. Lord, would you help them? Would you draw them to yourself? Would you show them the beauty of your forgiveness? And then would you overflow that forgiveness to others? We thank you, oh God. We ask that you lead us in our groups to be vulnerable, to be broken, and to be willing to share even our deepest hurts. For we do pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen.